Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report. Nintendo World Report at night slash Nintendo News Report. The last one of the year in 2016. Uh, I am your host, Alexander Kalafi, here on December 26, 2016. Joined today by uh, our, our two co-hosts, Juan Donald Terrio from Canada. Hello, Donald. Hello. You can tell how bad this year has been for Nintendo consoles. Oh, someone... Not only the PlayStation 4, but the Uncharted 4 PlayStation 4, which is like 10% worse. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was that was my big Christmas gift this year. That and my parents driving 12 hours to get me home and get back in time to dodge their own rainstorm. So on this last show of the year celebrating Nintendo Game of the Year, uh, let's talk about Uncharted 4 for a minute. Have you played it? Um, I have not played it because I'm waiting for my hard drive to arrive, and apparently it's coming next week from Tennessee for some reason. Oh boy, it, that that sounds like an Amazon third-party seller. It was it was supposedly Amazon proper, okay. and I've got Prime, so I don't know what the hell's going on. Okay, okay, you're you're also joined by one Neil Ronahan, site director of NintendoWorldReport.com. Hello, Neil Ronahan. You know how bad it's been for uh, Nintendo this year when this has been like the only Wii U retail release in the past month and a half. That's sealed. What what else is in that? Uh, it's a Shantae Half Genie Hero. It's I think it's just the straight up retail version. Um, it's the Risky Beats edition that includes a soundtrack CD. So that's why it's that's why it's puffy. Yeah. It's do you, do you I, like how indie games like their idea of doing a complete edition or a game of the year edition instead of making more content is to just sort of package in a soundtrack because i that that always like i was not necessarily a fan of so many indie games doing that i mean runbo also did that on the wii u version runbo i think also came with i think the the retail version also came with all the dlc i think there's dlc which is different um it, but, but but that also came with the soundtrack and like i think Rumbo's soundtrack is really cool yeah. but like even still like if if i already had Rumbo. Which I, I do have the Rainbow eShop edition. I don't think I'd run out and buy the retail version other than to support them because I like that game and those guys. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, the, the allure of the soundtrack isn't something that I really care for. Like, um, hey, uh, fingers crossed if we get a PAX East panel, um, mm -hmm. you might be able to win this copy of Shantae Half Genie Hero. Because <laughs> um, I got a, I, I, I backed the game. I mean, full disclosure, uh, I backed the game on Kickstarter. Mainly because they had an early bird discount, and I could get the game for like thirteen bucks two years ago, um, and I think it's selling for twenty. So yeah, it's like twenty me. Um, and I figured I would want to play that game, so I'll just drop thirteen bucks for it. Didn't expect it to take three years for it to come out. Yeah. Uh, but I have it downloaded on my Wii U, and whenever I work up the muster to turn my Wii U on again, I'll probably play some Shantae Half Genie Hero. Sure. Uh, so the point of this show today is that we are talking about Game of the Year, but we are not talking about our own personal Game of the Year this week. That's going to be in a couple weeks. Today we are talking about the Nintendo World Report Games of the Year. We got a top five for Game of the Year. We have top three retro releases of the year, re-releases, top three news stories of the year, and top three 2017 anticipated games. And as you can tell, this is not a live show this week because... 
We want this to go up at the same time as the Game of the Year stuff goes up on Friday, but this day was the only day we're available, yada, yada, yada. Let's talk about some video games. We're basically doing our own miniature version of what Giant Bomb does and releasing a podcast on your bye week, except we're actually recording it on our week off so we don't get a week off. It's a whole thing. But let's talk about the Games of the Year. Uh, First, let's talk about our top three news stories of the year. These are ranked... Yes, here, they me, are. Number, here, number three, the Super Mario Run reveal. Three, Super Mario Run reveal, which was a big deal, not because Super Mario Run exists. That is the least surprising Nintendo mobile game they could ever release. The reason why it ranks on this list is because of where it was announced, how Miyamoto announced it alongside Tim Cook, I think, at the and- Apple Press event uh a little while ago yeah and back in september uh nintendo breaking twitter for the first time since i think iwata died basically (laughs) and ladies and gentlemen here shigeru miyamoto of nintendo everybody loses their you know what because oh my (laughs) god miyamoto's on stage at an apple press conference the world is gonna end yeah yeah and i i think think... i apologize That's yeah, that's but, all there really was about this one, Donald. What were you saying? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it came out. The pricing model caused some controversy when it first launched, and we can we could have a debate another time. I think you guys probably did last week about uh, how that pricing model ended up working. But you know, pretty good game from the demo that I tried. I wasn't paying, charging fourteen bucks to my dad's iTunes account for it to try it out, but. Right, it ended up being a pretty pretty solid game for what it was. So yeah. we could we could pull the veil behind the curtain and uh, tell people what what the what the news stories that just missed this list were, uh, and pretty much uh, it's all the stuff with Zelda. That's that's what missed out. Right, <laughs> and I I think it could have won depending on. So okay, are right, Neil are is are we allowed to say how we basically figure this out? Yeah, so so the way the way we we did the the game of the year and the different categories that we have is we sent out um you know the the rules so there's five games of the year, three for the other three categories and as for nominations for everybody, we tallied the nominations pretty much um anything that had like two to three nominations was was a part of the discussion even if it was going to be quickly axed off. Mm. Um so for this uh for like news story it's a little weird uh, because like people might word things differently. Like for example, there was there, some people were like, "Oh, the NES Classics announce," whereas some people were like, "The fact that the NES Classic was sold out, ergo they got combined into one nomination, just mm. the NES Classic." Uh, for Zelda, I think that there was like, for Zelda, I think there were two distinct different news stories. Like the Zelda, everything that happened at E3 with Zelda. It being the only game, it being the major focus, that was a big news story for Nintendo. Another big part of that was Zelda being delayed into 2017. Um, and right. that was kind of like, that was a whole big, big announcement in, in and of itself. Um, and those kind of, I guess, maybe split the Zelda vote. Maybe if they were combined, Zelda would be a part of this list. But honestly, I think that Super Mario Run, just because of the magnitude of that reveal, I, th- I think that, that that would trump Zelda anyway. Yeah. It, yeah, it basically I, forced its way onto the top three. Right. Right. Yeah. 
And this does not necessarily represent, like, best games of the year or anything, or games no. we liked the most. Because Super Mario Run and Pokemon Go did not find themselves anywhere near our top five games of the year, for better or worse. They were, they were, just... they were both a part of the discussion of the 15 games that got two or more nominations. Uh, right. But they, they weren't... They, they didn't last too long. This Pokemon Go a little last, yeah. a little uh, lasted a little longer. But Basically, I guess... Uh, yeah, the new That's, stories that stuck on your mind, the ones yeah. that got that you discussed that got discussed. It was Mario Run, and then what was the next one, Neil? Uh, Pokemon Go. Uh, our, yeah. our our second news story of the year was Pokemon Go Fever because it really, like, we had this buildup for this game when it like what it got revealed summer two thousand fifteen, I think. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. September of twenty fifteen. Yeah. Like, I was at like out. two in the morning too. Yeah, and like no one really knew what to expect other than there was going to be big news. And then we saw it. And like for me, when I first saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Like I didn't really know what to make of it. It didn't like it seemed big, but at the same time, like I wasn't sure. And then like there was that Super Bowl ad, and then it seemed to be like it was. We were just kind of waiting for it to launch, and and they kept on talking about it. They had that really dry discussion of it at E three that like. Mm-hmm it seemed cool. People were testing it. People were kind of getting excited. And then I remember like, I actually have some articles on the site from the week at launch, which I think was, what was that? Like right before July 4th, I think. Okay. Uh, I was just after, I think. Okay. Okay. Just after like early July this, this summer. Um, I remember like first it launched in Australia and New Zealand. And then I scrambled to get my Android phone and, uh, and like sideload the app so I could start messing around with it. I was like, Oh, that's neat. Like that's, Nothing too crazy. Um, and then it officially came out on, I think, like a Wednesday or a Thursday. And with my my friend who who lives across town, I was just like, all right, man, like, we'll meet up at the library because that's a gym. And, like, we'll just go, like, we'll, we'll wander around and play. And that led to uh, probably almost a month of me playing this damn game, like, every night. Like, I would, I would be out until 3 in the morning walking around my town running into groups of people like that first night, the first night it came out, like my, my, my town is not that big. Uh, but I probably ran into about 20 or 30 people on that first night. And it continued to like, there would be like, I made friends with high school kids to the point that I would walk downtown and they'd be like, yo, Neil. And I was like, I need to stop playing this game. This is bad. This is weird. I mean, Neil, Neil, you just call that a Tuesday, right? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but like it was just like it was just like yo man be like I'd be I'd be walking home and I'd be walking my dog and they'd be like hey man there's a slowpoke over here and I was like I don't have one of those all right kids let's go um yeah <laughs> some mistakes may have been made but nothing bad happened of consequence uh, yeah. outside of like one time my friend got pulled over as we were parked in a in like a, in a park parking lot trying to mm-hmm. take down a gym and then a cop pulled up to us and was like you know this park is closed and we were like uh and then another cop pulled up behind him. It was like, hey, no, those guys are playing the Pokemon game. I saw them earlier. And I was like, oh, you're the cop who was playing with us last night. And he like was like, dude, shut up. <laughs> Be cool. I mean, Pokemon Go is a legitimate mainstream phenomenon. Like, I heard news stories about it everywhere. And it single-handedly juiced the, the portable battery industry yeah. to the point that I, I walked into Walmart a few days ago and nearly tripped over a pileup. Yeah, no, I mean that like it's it's huge in that regard, and and really, I think I think why Pokemon Go especially trumps the Super Mario Run reveal, and maybe maybe time will tell if Super Mario Run can do the same, but really, Pokemon Go 
buoyed the 3ds system in 2016 like you wouldn't believe i mean i can i can just speak anecdotally i have i have a couple friends that got really deep into pokemon go that haven't like played a pokemon game since game boy and they all bought 3ds's and are playing sun and moon like i was i was kind of so like I, I saw a bunch of friends last weekend and I was surprised at like how many people were like, oh yeah, like I'm like halfway through Sun and Moon. I was like, you guys, like we haven't talked about Pokemon since like Gold and Silver. Like what what happened? And yeah, really and it's because they all they all got deep into Pokemon Go. And right. it seems like Nintendo sold through their entire allotment of 3DSs the rest of the calendar year three weeks ago. Because yeah. I I need a new 3DS and I can't find one for love or money. I even went to like a t- I, I for last week I was out because I was visiting my parents in a town of about seven or eight thousand people. It still has you know three or four stores that would sell 3ds's, and none of them had new 3ds's in stock. Yeah, you forget trying to find even one of the the ninety nine dollar US ones. Yeah. It's like even the even the yeah, XLs. Those, went, those went fast. I never played Pokemon Go, even as someone who loves the the holy heck out of Pokemon. But I live in Boston, so I got to see the city effect on this. And it was very surprising to see all these people who are not in the age group or, like, they don't look like people who would play video games. Not age group, because we got people of all ages. But you, you, you look at someone and you're like, that person probably doesn't play video games. But you, you like, you're walking on the train and then you just see his phone. He's got the map on for Pokemon Go. And then I'm, like, I'm moving furniture at work. And then one of the guys I'm working with who doesn't play video games at all, uh, he's got Pokemon Go on his phone while, like, we're carting stuff around. And then I'm at, like, I'm near the, uh, the school campus, and then I see all these people walking around with Pokemon Go who clearly, like, maybe they play, like, they have they played Pokemon back in the day. The, the interesting thing is, uh, for Pokemon's 20th anniversary, it wasn't the... Uh, the whole celebration of Pokemon that got all these old lapsed people playing Pokemon again. It wasn't the re-release of Pokemon Blue and Red and Yellow on the eShop. It was Pokemon Go. The centerpiece of Pokemon's 20th anniversary, for better or worse, was this damn mobile game. And I'm not saying it's a great video game, but it is an an impactful video game, and it is an important video game. It's really broken. It's this year's year's Pac-Man fever. Like, the reason why we're calling it Pokemon Go fever is not just because it's Pac-Man fever, but also because the way people picked it up. You look at people playing Pokemon Go, it's downright feverish. Yeah. Like, like, I I mean, I really, as a social, like, experience, it was incredible. But as a game, like, it's frustrating and buggy. And that it seems like Niantic, the developer, is, like, at war with some of its deepest community. Because they keep on like limiting things and tweaking it, and some of it seems to be in the name of like keeping people safe, which makes sense. But a lot of it kind of makes me irritated, and I'll I'll drop off the game. Like I'm I'm still playing it every now and then. Like you get like an incubator by going to Pokestops for the Christmas season, so I will be going to Pokestops to get my free incubator. Um, but yeah, like I I'll turn it on every now and then, but I'm not as I'm not that much into it. I kind of don't like that the new Pokemon are all just from eggs and you can't really like find them in the wild. Like that's mm. kind of a bummer. And I'll be curious to see how they evolve it over the, the, the coming year. Cause we still haven't seen 
any of the legendary birds. We haven't seen Mewtwo. We haven't seen Mew. And they they already they broke the seal on the the next hundred from Gold and Silver because uh, they have the, the baby Pokemon are Togepi, Elekid, Magby, etc. Uh, Smoochum and Pichu and Cleffa, I think, are the ones that are out there. And then uh, to- Togetic, because uh, or Toget, I don't know. That I'll say Togetic. That. Togetic. Yeah, that makes sense. Togepi, yeah. Togetic. Yeah. And then you got you probably also got Nigglybuff in there too, don't you, Donald? Yeah, that that yeah. one. I think the only Gen two baby is Tyrog, who's not in it. Yeah, yeah, Tyrog is not in it. Uh, so, anyways, we've got uh, Super Mario Run, which was an enormous news story, despite being the least surprising Nintendo mobile game possible. You got the Pokemon Go story, which was such an enormous story, despite being a very simple, very flawed game. What if I told you the biggest news story of the year? is the result of one three-minute YouTube video. <laughs> three-minute and 37-second YouTube video. There you go. In fact, that just proves my point of how important every single second of this video ended up being... That, that, that was also because I did the write-up for the website and included the line about exactly how, how long it was. <laughs> See, I'm very... That right there is journalism, Neil. Yeah, yeah I Googled that. I Googled Switch Reveal. I was like, oh, that's how long the video is. The reason this was such a big story, in my opinion, wasn't just because it was the, the reveal of the name and like some of the games that could come out. And that on its own would be enough to put it over at the top. I think the reason why this especially deserves to be over Pokemon Go is because of the way people were anticipating it before it came out. All that NX speculation, all that Reddit chatter, that the, like... The controller, the, the like controllers, the rumors and everything. And as much as... As much as the rumor stuff, like, quite literally gave me several headaches throughout the year, um, like, it's still, like, people were foaming at the goddamn mouth for this reveal video. And really, like, I mean, by the time it, what, it was October, October. 23rd, I think, or October 20th, yeah. something like that. that. Like, late October, we first found out that this system existed in March of 2015. There was yeah. a year and a half of just feverish nonsense just bubbling everywhere. And and then it kind of turned out that some of the, the rumors right before it were right on the money. Yeah. Um, and some of the like rumors was, right before it were, were complete bullshit. Yeah, yeah but yeah. like there was definitely like you can follow a line of like from September or I think it was the Eurogamer story in August. From there onward, there's a pretty consistent trail of here's exactly what this thing is. Right. And it turned out to be a, a really neat thing that we're going to find out about pretty much like right when the new here kicks off. And then it'll be out in our hands available for us to play um, within like 90 days of right now. Right. Which is so soon because we yeah. barely know it exists. It barely exists. I don't know a single game on it other than Zelda and Dragon Quest, and then, like, a couple indie games. Just Dance. Just Dance. Yeah. Sonic and Sonic 2017, whatever that ends yeah. up being. Sonic 2K17. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's yeah. playing basketball now. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are your top three news stories of the year. But the Switch is a big deal, and we're going to have way more to say on that in... What, 14, 15 yeah. days after you see this? If you see this on the first yeah, day that yeah, we release this? 
Two weeks. How about two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Two, two weeks. Less than two weeks. So there you go. By the, by the time you hear this, I'll mm -hmm. have put in my day off of work. <laughs> Top three retro re-releases of the year. Now, for this in the next category, it was more we knew exactly what the first two were, but we had a hard time coming up with a strong third competitor. Which is not necessarily to discount our third top three retro re-release of the year, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD Wii U. But the two that we put above it are some real titans. Now, Neil, you did play The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. Yes. Say something about it. Because um, I didn't a, play it. it it's, a, it's a good game. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a Is that game, but better? Uh, it's, yeah, it's no, I mean, it's, it's, it's the best version of that game. Like, that's what yeah. I can say about Twilight Princess HD, which I think makes it a successful uh, re-release remake, is that it is, it is the best version of that game. Because it kind of takes the best of both worlds of the Wii and GameCube versions and puts them into one package uh, with and then, some token Amiibo support and, like, pretty graphics, and you can play it off TV. And, and nice then it runs it through a dryer to get rid of some of the ballooning things that were kind of holding that game back because uh, I know the thing that really struck me is how much they cut down the opening tutorial and how they got rid of some of the tears of light enough that that wasn't a complete chore. Wait, what did they do to cut down the tutorial? Uh, there's one, I, I know at least one part, there's a fit where you have to fish and you have to cast twice, but on the uh, okay, version, yeah. I think that's the one. only part of the tutorial that's lessened, which is negligible. Which is good because fishing in that game is still bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're definitely the lesson yeah. tears of light um, that that was noticeable. It was kind of like how they reshuffled the uh, the Triforce pieces in the back half of Wind Waker, just right. like kind of kind of some smart tweaks that they probably like. Man, we should have done that, and then they could actually go back and, and fix it. Nice. Number two and number one, we got very heated over. I would not be surprised if there were people in the comment section for this who who would have a very different opinion than the way this turned out. But number two is NES Classic, the Nintendo Entertainment System Classic. And I'm going to say this other one at the same time because I think there's actually something interesting we could do about how we chose one over the other. Number one was the Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow 3DS Virtual Console. Now, if I remember correctly, I chose Pokemon on Virtual Console to, because this was one of our closest votes. Yeah. I chose Pokemon on Virtual Console. You, Neil, chose the NES Classic. And yes. Donald, where did you fall? I I was on the side of the NES Classic just because it represented such an improvement on the on Nintendo's last attempt at NES emulation, which is on the Wii U, which is uh, yeah terrible. Yeah, no, and I mean the, just, the I mean the NES I, Classic I, is thirty awesome games. Well. Like 20 awesome games and 10 shitty ones. It's probably like 13 awesome. It's it's probably like Maybe 8 like awesome 10, games. 10 awesome, 10 okay, 10 crap. <laughs> that, that's it's, more it's reasonable. still a good ratio, but... Yeah. And, and, and I've put a, a good price tag. The, the only problem is Nintendo not seeming, again, to get that people might actually want something they produce. After the Wii U, I don't blame them. And they dramatically undershipped this thing, which I think ended up tipping things toward Pokemon in the end because it's like, 
okay, we would love to see this, but we can't buy the damn thing. I think a lot yeah. of our staff in the discussion wanted an NES Classic and couldn't get one. And that's yeah. like it. Like for me, I was I was way more in in the middle here. Like I, I definitely leaned on the side of NES Classic, but as the discussion deepened, I was just kind of like, let's just give it a Pokemon. I don't really care that much. Like I think I think the NES Classic is the thing that that I've I actually I've probably played both about the same. Uh, I think I, I like the NES Classic, and we'll go back to that more. I think what playing Pokemon Yellow and Pokemon Blue on my 3DS earlier this year proved to me is that while I will always love those games to death, um, they are extremely rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Which, like, th- there's a charm to it, and it's really only charming because I played it when I was 10. But, but like, the, I mean, those those games are so janky, and, like, there's things that are just straight up broken a- a- about them. And it would have been really crappy if they fixed that. I think you had to leave it as is, but it's still doesn't take away from the fact that i think pokemon red blue and yellow while you know like innovative masterpieces like that they have been completely improved upon in every single way in even the game boy advance remakes right yeah and i think the reason why i chose them is for one game of the year is arbitrary politics based on nonsense that's all game of the year staff discussions are which it's fun nonsense there's nothing wrong with fun nonsense, but it's nonsense built on constantly changing arbitrary rules that we set for ourselves and for the games and for the staff of any website that you will ever find that does game of the year. And it's it's interesting to see these lists come out. So I like Pokemon. I didn't play the NES Classic, but I identify with Pokemon more than the NES Classic. So I was looking at Pokemon more than the NES Classic. Part of me sort of resented the fact that NESs were so not widely available. Part of me uh, felt that for everything you can say about Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, uh, you can say the same thing about almost every one of the 30 NES Classic games up for discussion. I actually, here's, this is not Dude, the Super, time. Super Mario Brothers 3 ain't jank. Here's the, here's you the thing. That back. This is so not the time for this conversation, but I saw Rogue One with my friend the other day, and we were talking about Mario games in the car, because he is a big Mario fan, and like we were talking about Mario 3 for a while, and the conclusion we came to is that Mario 3 is not nearly as perfect a game as like we all give it credit for. Like, I'm just we, saying there's no jank. I ain't saying it's perfect. It's not even the best Mario game. No, but I'm saying like it was like we everyone puts Super Mario 3 and Super Mario World on a pedestal as like if you want perfect games like these are the ones you go to first and and like no game is perfect but we thought about it for a while especially the original NES release of Super Mario Brothers 3 and we came to stuff like okay World 7 is kind of horrible uh World 8 is miserable to play it's not poorly designed but it's miserable to play it's it's like stupid hard for all the wrong reasons the giant world is an enormous trojan horse because the first level of that world is one of the best levels in that entire game followed by all of the worst levels in that entire game (laughs) world two is miserable to play uh (laughs) i feel like the reason why a lot of people have fond memories of super mario brothers 3 is because they just used the warp whistles to skip most of the game and then (laughs) you look at the original nes version of that game 
and we all talk about this, but for everyone who looks at the game today and they're like, oh, it's not complete, oh, it's missing this core feature, all this, old games back then were way better. Super Mario 3 is one of the games that most needed a save feature and did not even have a password feature. My, I, I will say this, I, I'm one of those people that puts Mario 3 on a pedestal, but I put the All-Stars version on a pedestal because that had a save feature. Yeah, right. I, I, and, I, I put World on a pedestal because World is one of the best platformers ever made. The only... But, also, yeah. I don't know why we're talking about this right now. It's just we were talking yeah, about but, it. <laughs> but I, I will say... Stay on target. Something I, something I thought of a couple of days after we talked about this. It was like, you know, it's one of those things to come see in the shower. The fact that they got wireless trading into Pokemon and the bank functionality... I know how broken Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow is. That game hangs on by a fucking thread. And the fact that they got the wireless stuff in there and all this and this feature compatibility with Poke Transporter next month, that's a goddamn miracle. And that's also that was part of my reason for being against Pokemon as well, was that Pokemon the Pokemon Bank stuff isn't even live yet. But yeah. The yeah. point to that from the people who did not support my pick for NES Classic was, well, I'm not going to be able to get an NES Classic until next year. And yeah. then I relented. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, there's our top three retro releases so, of the year. Yeah. If people are curious of the ones that just missed, uh, Metroid Zero Mission on the on the Wii U eShop, uh, the GBA Virtual Console version. Uh, Super Mario Advance 4 on the uh-huh. Wii U. Uh-huh. There was a reason to talk about it. Ha-ha-ha. Uh-huh. Barely. I mean, well, I mean, it's on NES Classic. Yeah, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, and then like Earthbound. Yeah. I guess kind of the Virtual Console Super Nintendo games on New 3DS. But the reason why I think those win. missed it is because I think at first we were deciding what was the best game, but I think we started thinking the top three retro re-releases of 2016, and these were the third get the three games that say 2016 when you think about them as retro yeah. re-releases that the other ones don't necessarily, yeah. despite being all three excellent games. Like Mario yep. 3, for all the shit I was talking, still probably one of the best games of all time, still one of the best aging 2D platformers of all time. Yeah, yada, there's yada, a nice yada, rhythm yada. to that game. But anyway, the next category. Anyways, t- <laughs> the first world of Super Mario 3 is one of the best games of all time. It's supreme. But, <laughs> but anyways, anyways, top three anticipated 2017 games. This list was funny because we had all these games that we could include for a top three. So here's, so I but, feel like you know what the top two are. We'll talk about them in a little bit, but you know what they are. Like, let's get real. Right. So we had the other ones that we were discussing were Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World, Ever Oasis, Stardew Valley, and Pikmin 4. Those were the only other games that got more than two nominations. Pikmin Uh, 4 was up for debate, but it barely exists. And the other games that would be up to that level don't officially exist yet. Yeah. So what what did... Like, Pokemon Stars wasn't really on the table because, like, that's kind of, like, loosely... I mean, no, I think one person nominated it, but we didn't get the two nominations, so we didn't have to face that conversation anyway. Yeah. So what did we do, Neil? Uh, we we basically said... We, we got to a point where we kind of said, screw all that, and our third most anticipated game for 2017 is is the Poochie Amiibo. <laughs> Not the game. 
Who cares about the game? Just because we realized that most of the people that that listed the game as one of their most anticipated games was like, well, that amiibo is real cute. I already played (laughs) Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah. And that amiibo is adorable. I may even say, like, put an addendum and being like, the most anticipated, the third most anticipated game at NWR is the the Poochie and Yoshi animated shorts that will be coming out um, with with Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World. Most anticipated amiibo. Yeah. That would be it. It would be the Poochie Amiibo. That thing is so damn adorable. I need it. Yeah. I pre I pre the game because I want to see the shorts. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I look at it as I'm getting a $20 3DS copy of Woolly World, the Poochie Amiibo, and all these animated shorts that I would easily pay 30 bucks for on DVD or Blu-ray. Right. Uh, number two and one, obviously the two we got to choose between are Super Mario for Switch and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We chose Breath of the Wild in second place and Super Mario for Switch in first place. And this one was another tight discussion. The reason why I think we chose that is because it it wasn't actually all the way fair. I mean, none of this stuff is fair. It's just our opinion and we have nothing to apologize. Whatever. The reason why it's like, quote unquote, wasn't fair is because Super Mario for Switch, we saw like 20 seconds of a game that, according to Nintendo, does not officially exist yet, and uh, we only had all of our hype to base on 20 seconds of Mario and the idea of another 3D Mario. For The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, there is hours and hours of different Breath of the Wild footage out there, and that's the reason why I think that game ultimately lost, is because the more and more we see Zelda, I think the more and more... Certainly me, certainly Neil to an extent, but I would say a number of people on our staff just got less excited for it, and, yeah. and Donald too. Yeah, I, I feel like with, with with Zelda, like we, we, I mean, we got that that be- like everything from E three. I was really into. Uh, the the Game Awards footage was just kind of concerning, and that like it seemed like <laughs> it's gonna send a, t- it seemed too open, like. Just the fact that, like, like there, I guess there's like a fun way to freelance in that, but like, I kind of need to know what the structure is going to be at this point mm-hmm. because right now it just kind of seems like it's like IDK just wander around, um, and and I kind of hope that there's a better structure than this world is gigantic. Go, um, yeah. and I, I mean, at this point, who knows when we'll see more of that? Maybe we'll see more of that at the January twelfth event. Um, maybe we'll see more of that when the game comes out in like the summer of 2017 uh who knows mm. yeah yeah i agree with everything you're saying but I like that, the- that trailer at the game awards was shit hot like oh man it was it was a very poor showing for what could be a very good game we will see well super mario for switch it just looks so fun because you got like a wild west mario and yeah, you got some like, coins. Some, like yeah, it's like maybe there's like a a little bit of like Mexican influence with, with the, is it going to be like sunshine in Mexico? Like, give me that. Ooh, that that's that sounds like yeah. like I would. Sounds, uh, that's my favorite movie from the nineteen seventies, <laughs> Sunshine in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it was before Eastwood really got into the genre. <laughs> there was sunshine and sunshine in Mexico. It was a uh, classic spaghetti western. <laughs> but but I mean, like, there's there's so much joy and excitement over like six seconds of off-screen footage of a Mario game. And and I think what might have what might have helped Super Mario Switch winning this category for us was the fact that everything that I've heard from any source that I know 
is that Super Mario for Switch looks fucking incredible. It is fucking incredible. Um, and I think that's a game that we will see a lot more of in about uh, two weeks. So, like, yeah. yeah. And that, like, and yeah. from, <laughs> there's a possibility, there's a non-zero chance of that, that. We see that first in January, and it's out in March. Yeah, that, that seems very likely at this point, and I, I can't wait. I, I want to play that game so bad. That is, yeah. it's, it's my most anticipated game of 2017, and it's right. also our sites, so that's cool. Group think. Right. I think, I think it's fair that we chose Super Mario for Switch, because we don't, we don't, this, this list doesn't care about how much of a game was shown. It just cares about how excited are, for, are you for this yeah. video game based on what we've seen so far. I would say I'm more excited for the, whatever new comes thing comes out of Splatoon than I am for The Legend of Zelda. None of it was shown. I have no idea what's in that game, but the promise of more Splatoon, no matter what it is, and the promise of me playing more Splatoon in a supported game environment is more exciting to me than The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild stuff we were shown, regardless of how much was shown so far. Now, so. I believe that brings us to our final category. The top five games of the year. Now, we were talking about this uh, during the Skype chat that we did all this at. And for part of me was unsatisfied with, like, because it was like, I got that game, but I didn't get that game. It was a compromise. But actually, looking at the list now, before we even talk about it, I actually like the look of this list. I think it's very representative of the year that was for Nintendo. Right, which was glimmers of gold through piles of manure. manure. <laughs> I shit just seemed very improper to say for that specific phrase. It was we had a flawed year for Nintendo, and but we also had some great stuff. Let's focus on you the was, great stuff. I, I do want to point out something about this list, which is I think a little disheartening, and maybe we need to readdress this for next year. As far as the nominees that we discussed, they were all Nintendo published games. Yeah. Well, um, would SteamWorld Heist have counted in that list? Because that would have probably um, been very high up. I believe you not or no, someone nominated that, but only it only got one nomination. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. As far as the ones that only got one nomination, that that like so so I have the cutoff like basically two people need to champion a game in order for it to be a part of the discussion. Um, which maybe that's something we need to revisit. I don't know. Uh, let us know in the comments below. Um, so the third-party games that also, like Sega 3D Classic Collection, 7th Dragon 3, Shantae, Half-Genie Hero, uh, SteamWorld Heist. Those were the only third-party games mentioned on this list. It is kind of... I mean, I, I guess I could have nominated it. I didn't. Uh, yeah. But Shin, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse, but it, that was like number 6 or 7 for me. Um... But yeah, I guess I nominated maybe... Rhythm Heaven, and that only got one vote. <laughs> yeah, you were the only person to nominate Rhythm Heaven, which I which was kind of surprised because that that's was a, a really good game. That's a really good game. I'm, there's a game I'm glad you didn't mention there because, well, there'll be some. I, I have some of my own hardware to hand out at some point. And what Mighty Number no. Nine? Uh, no, uh, I was thinking more of Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, okay, I, yeah, yeah. No I one, would... no one, no one nominated that. Yeah, uh, the, like the 20, and, 25 nominees nominators yeah. we had. Yeah, I've got a very conflicted relationship with that game. That game landed with a thud. 
Yeah, like, there was so much excitement. Another game that came out this year, like no guy like landed with an explosion. It was a bad explosion, but it was still an explosion. This game, they were talking about, ah, oh, maybe it won't sell. Like I don't know if we can have it. Okay, we finally secured the funding because you guys asked. The game could not have landed more muted if it tried. I mean, there was a lot of crap for Zero Time Dilemma with how the Amazon orders. Like, they had the, the watch pre-order stuff, and, like, none of that shipped on time. Yeah. Like, that helped it have this really bad taste in everyone's mouth. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I believe it's the... kind of getting a second chance, because isn't it getting released on PS4? Uh, the first two games in that trilogy are. Oh, okay. not heard of a Zero Time Dilemma release on PS4. If they do that, I hope they fix the ending. That's all I'm going to say. Does so it pull a Mass Effect? Uh, it. Let's just say it leaves a. Lo- There's an entire spoiler cast about this with okay. myself and okay. Yeah, sorry, to okay. All the go go look for that. Let's let's there talk about the, have, there could not be a about, game that was less talked about than that game. <laughs> let's let's have a top five games of the year discussion here for Number the Nintendo five. World Report. Top five games of the year. Alex, take it away. Okay. Number five was Pocket Card Jockey. Which, uh, Neil, I'm going to hand this to you in a second because I know you are the biggest champion of this game. I, but it is, yeah. If it's not settled, I think that this is my personal game of the year. Okay. I was curious because this is one of the few Game Freak games I haven't played. Developers of Pokemon, Neil gave it a lot of praise. And the game sounded kind of complicated. Like, the idea of solitaire anything is not appealing to me, which I think is one of the reasons why I held off. And it's like, ah, it looks kind of weird, and it's a mobile game too, so I don't know. But I played the demo, the demo was really addicting, and then I bought the full game, and I have been playing it near nonstop since I bought it on Christmas Day, which is is very impressive. And I think it could be one of those last minute games that shimmies itself on to like number ten or number nine just by the time I'm done playing it. That game is so addicting. It's so simple. There's not much of a story, but there's this funny ass WarioWare style dialogue. And it's like your character starts off, you get you yeah. ride a horse, and then you get killed. Mm. Yeah, that, that's how it goes. You get killed, <laughs> almost, and then, and then it's like, like... And then, like, the solitaire god, like, reawakens you, and it's just like, this is how you play horse racing now. You play solitaire. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the entire dumb mechanic of the game is explained in a story conceit. And it's just... And it just gets... it's It just goes down the rabbit hole of, like... You go so like the story that you kind of work through is you're playing as these different like you're basically going between these different trainers, and you can kind of like stall in the story and just go to different horses, but you can also go to like story horses and work through there. Um, and some of those story horses are like someone's just like I think it'd be really cute if this horse had a cat on him, and then yeah. you have to race with a horse that has a cat on his back. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's just it gets so dumb and it's it's so good. It's so fucking awesome. But it's it's the fact that it, it combines all these things. Because I think about it mechanically, too. It combines the joy of a racing game. It com- Because the game of Solitaire is so simple and so surface level, it barely even counts as Solitaire, and it's so easy to play that game well, the feeling you get of playing Solitaire really well and that weird rush you get like just even if for a moment this game captures it very well and very easily 
So it has those two feelings. Plus it has a sense of humor. Plus it has RPG mechanics that are very reminiscent of like Infinity Blade. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like uh, prestiging of you can you raise your horses, you retire them when they're done, and then you can mate them with other horses to make potentially better horses, but there's also story horses. It's basically, it's the same cycle of Infinity Blade, of running races, getting trophies, and when it retires, you get a new one and raise it up. And because the horse has different stats, now you're better equipped for different trophies, and then eventually, after you play long enough, theoretically, you will get a horse with high enough stats to compete in the Royal Derby and, like, all the super, super yeah. good ones. Now, let me ask you, Neil, did you end up beating it? Um, Not, like, to complete completion. Like, I, I probably put 20 hours into it. But I think, I think I was telling you before that I played a lot more of this as kind of, like, treating it like a game of solitaire as opposed to, like, min-maxing and trying to, like, beat everything. Um. By, by which you mean you, you didn't get all the trophies. I think I'm like one or two short. Okay. But, but like, I mean, I, I actually, I brought up my review of this game that you can read on NintendoWorldReport.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have a line in there that basically talking about how this game mirrors playing actual solitaire very well. And that you'll have this horse and you'll try to play as as best as you can but sometimes that doesn't matter. Like you're not going to get the right cards. Sometimes just the race is like kind of unwinnable. And it's a game that I think can get very frustrating. Uh, if, if you keep on trying to like make sure your horse wins every possible race, but if you just kind of let go and just like enjoy it as the solitaire game that it is, that's when I think it becomes so fucking magical And it's is, not- is when it just, it's like for me, like I like playing solitaire games like uh, on, on brain age. Like I revisited like the, Spider Solitaire version on the 3DS one quite a bit after I got that Brain Age game. Uh, and this this game was just like very, very nice and relaxing. It's just like sit down and just like roll through like the youth of a horse. Um, and then, you know, either start another one or try to take that one and see how far I can go as a, being an adult. Like there was there was a nice like comforting rhythm to, yeah. to this game. If you haven't I played think- it yet, and and this is just uh this is just gonna be a very quick recommendation. If you haven't played it, I very much recommend the demo on the eShop. It's a meaty ass demo. It's like an hour, hour and a half of gameplay. It basically takes you through your first two horses, your tutorial horse and your first uh, genuine horse. And if you're worried about the solitaire aspect like I was, understand that it's not actually really solitaire, it's just a game that looks like solitaire, that captures the essence of solitaire. You don't have to worry about clubs and spades and uh, hearts and diamonds. All you have to worry about is ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, jack, queen, king, ace. And uh, it's solitaire, but you just have to know that if it's one above or one less, so you're just building very, very easy chains. So if you're worried about the solitaire, don't worry about it. That's all. I yeah, because that that was my biggest problem with the game, and that's why I didn't I didn't vote for it. In the end, is because the RNG RNG Jesus was not on my side at any point in this game, and it, it just became too frustrating for me to continue. It can get frustrating. I that's one thing I think we should touch. Well, we won't touch on it too much, but it's I am getting to the point. As I am trying to like get all the trophies, 
or I'm getting frustrated because my one of my horses that I bred lost three races in a row because I got really bad luck, even though it was like statted through the roof and could have probably won the Royal Derby if I actually statted it like properly. And it then is- I got another horse that like was another junior breed, but it's statting like shit. It's 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 just sometimes the RNG is frustrating. It's 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 weird hearing like the way that you're attacking this game because it, it's like almost the exact opposite of how I played this. Like I kind of look at it. I was like, I got a bunch of trophies. Cool. And like, wasn't really going them going for trophies. I just, I just played the game. Right. And like, it just, it's just weird to hear like a completely different way to approach this game. As I just kind of like, let it wash over me. I wouldn't call it attacking the game though. Like I, I don't, I don't have an attack on this game. It's more. Oh no, no, no. I meant attacking is in like, you're like looking like, all right, how do I beat it? Okay. For me, I was just I was just like rolling through it, like treating it like like it was a card game. I see a game with a definitive end. Yeah, but what I will say of the three most recent non-Pokemon Game Freak games: Tembo the Badass Elephant, Harmo Knight, and Pocket Card Jockey, which I still think of as Solitiba because that was the original Japanese title. This one is by far the best. Tembo the Badass Elephant, as much as I wanted it to be a great Donkey Kong Country game, it's kind of a bad Donkey Kong Country game. And uh, Harmo Knight is okay. And I think Harmo Knight Har- is pretty good at best. Yeah. But, I like Harmo Knight, but it's not, it's, it's no pocket card jockey, that's for damn sure. It's a way more simple game, but it just feels way more satisfying to play. I would say it's the most satisfying game to play on this top five list we have, even if I agree with the game we ultimately chose as number one, which we'll get to in a, in a bit. Well, let's. how about we get to number four? Let's get to number four. I'm actually going to stay very silent during this one. Uh, Donald and Neil, in fact, I'll, I'll start with you, Donald. Tell me why you liked Metroid Prime Federation Force, our number four Nintendo World Report Game of the Year. Oh, so much. The Because... Every you know the Metroid fans like there's that percentage of the fan base that absolutely savaged this game. You know the the fan petitions out as soon as the game was announced at E3 last year that they hated this game. As the resident guy who doesn't like Metroid on the staff, which has gotten me fired on more than one occasion, I love this game because it doesn't play like a Metroid game. At least not not the ones that I have tried and played in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it's it can I've I have no problem using the nub for controls, and I like the sort of backgrounder that it gives me into the world. I mean, there's a great world in Metroid. It's just the games that surround it aren't usually all that good as far as, far as I'm concerned. It so, just it kind of sucks because I feel like if this game came out alongside like Metroid Prime Three or something, there there wouldn't be this outcry and people could. Like I guess appreciate it for what it is, and like I, I, it's cool if like you played this and you don't like it, but to just be like super stupidly negative about it just because it exists and it's not a two D Metroid, like that's ridiculous. Um, but it just it just sucks because I feel like there is a like this game's never going to get a true fair shake because of all the crap that people laid on it. Why is it good? That that's the part I want to not. I don't care any. I mean, it's important to talk about the context, but like, just letting go of the context. Why is this game so good? It's it's good because it's 
a it's a first person game, but it's not so there it's not so much of a first person shooter, mm -hmm. which they, many people have tried to do first person shooters on handhelds and have failed miserably. But this one, there's there's enough exploration in there mixed in with the shooting sequences that do play really well, at least as far as I'm concerned. That's why this is such a good game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Donald on that one. Uh, I mean, it's it's way more a first-person adventure than most first-person shooters that have been on on DS and 3DS. Uh, not not quite as as a as much as a first-person adventure as say Metroid Prime, but I think it's really well developed for a handheld because of the mission-based structure. Uh, the online stuff and like some of some of the interactions there, like having some kind of voice chat, would have been way better. Uh, there's an easy way to circumvent that. Uh, it's called Skype or Discord or whatever you want to do. Um, but like, I had an absolute blast playing this in co-op with people. I had a blast playing it in single player. Uh, I just think it's it's a fun game to explore in. Um, it, I do have some complaints with it. Like, it's it's got its flaws. Like, I kind of wish there was almost more customization because. You can get like a Samus suit for your character by uh, by using the Samus amiibo, and it gives you like more missiles. And I kind of got to a point where I'm like, "What's the point of using literally any other outfit?" And and that and like, there's a lot of like mods and stuff that you can get, but I kind of wish there was maybe a little more variation in that as opposed to just like, uh, now your missiles do 25 percent more damage. Like having things is just like percentage points better. I mean, maybe maybe that works for some people, but for me, like, I kind of wish there was more creativity in how you could play on a level-to-level -level basis as opposed to kind of falling into specific roles and having to just do that. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm rambling now. <laughs> no, that's cool. I have nothing to say about it, so I'm glad someone had something to say about yeah. it. But I, if, if anybody wants to like play some more levels in this, I'm totally down because it's a really fun game and it's been a while since I've played it. Um, What's the right at, price for me to pay for this game? For you, like 15, 20 bucks. Okay, that sounds right. I would, I would say 15 maybe. Sounds yeah. closer. Um, but and also, and yeah. I guess for, I also, I think that this game has one of like the most ridiculous fucking endings I've seen in a game all year. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's so it's like I I I was playing it. I played it with John Raritan uh, before release. Played the ending. He had already finished the game, and we were playing it together. And I had to like like he had to make sure he was doing stuff in one of the last levels because I started laughing really hard. <laughs> and it's it's just like it's it's like like Charlie and beautiful in a wonderful way. And like that entire game, like the writing, I'm not gonna say like the writing is great, but it just feels like it's like B movie writing, and it really fit. And like just how like everybody's just like Samus is a god, like that's how everybody treats her, and like that's kind of cool. Like eh, I, I like this world, I always have, and I know that people maybe people don't really give a shit about the Galactic Federation, but I kind of do. And like it, I, I like playing as one of those dudes. And like their little like chibi mech suits and shit. Like that was a good time. Nice. Okay. Number three, video game of the year, NintendoWorldReport.com. Picross 3D round two. I never played this game, but I think you guys did. That's I, I played the demo, 
Unfortunately, yeah. the unfortunately this game is the same price as Rhythm Heaven in Canada, which means it's over forty bucks. And that's a little too rich for my blood right now. So I can I can probably handle this one pretty quickly. Uh, if you play Picross 3D on your DS, uh, don't be an idiot and buy this game right now. Like it, it is like Picross 3D, but even better. And Picross 3D is legitimately my favorite DS game of all time. Uh, Picross Picross 3D Round Two is is amazing. Uh, it's got tons of puzzles. Uh, they add a new mechanic where there's now like two different colors that you kind of need to deal with. So it makes it more complicated and allows for more interesting shapes to be made as you're kind of chipping away on the blocks. It still has that beautiful feedback loop of like, so So for people who don't know, like this is kind of like a spatial reasoning, almost Sudoku-esque game where you have like a, you have a cube in 3D space and using the touchscreen, you using the touchscreen of the stylus, you kind of manipulate this cube that has numbers on it that shows you like how many, um, how many, how many in that line are going to form the shape. So you'll be, ha- you'll have a cube and it'll have like two on it. And then there'll be two in a row that you need to not smash and you smash all the other ones. And it's, it's really fun. There's amiibo ones for like Kirby characters and Mario characters. And I like, it's, there's something really satisfying and very relaxing about playing Picross 3D for hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Cool. Maybe one day I'll buy it. I just need it to go on one discount. That's all I need. Give it to me for like 20, 25 bucks. Just don't make me pay 30 for a digital only like this game, even if it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's enough content in it, for, sure. in my opinion, to justify $30, but I do not fault people who want it to be cheaper, especially cheaper than that Canadian price. Yeah, because yeah. the, the first one launched at twenty, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think it would have been smarter on Nintendo's part to launch this at twenty. But hey, yeah. they're the pros. Um, what do I know? Yeah. Well, as we've talked about, they have some trouble figuring out what what people <laughs> will pay for. So, anyway, okay. moving on. Okay, number two. Uh, none of the people. Well, Donald, maybe you, kind of, but like. We the number two game of the year for Nintendo World Report is Fire Emblem Fates, and you are left on this show with one person who very actively dislikes Fire Emblem Fates, or at least the one he played. There's Neil flipping the bird. I I, I, uh, I played Birthright, and I did not like it that much. I think it ruined a lot of things that I liked about Awakening. I do have the like the 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 dual pack 3DS card or whatever the hell. And one of these days, I'll play through Conquest, and I'll probably like it a lot more. But like, holy shit, did Birthright leave a bad taste in my mouth? Here's, here's what I you got. I was yeah. actively lobbying for this game to not make our top five. Uh, spoiler: I think Tokyo Mirage Sessions would have replaced it if I had my way, but that did not happen, and I'm mad. <laughs> it, it was it was a close runner up. It was probably six or seven. In, yeah. In, uh, Tokyo in Mirage books. Sessions. Uh, Sharp Fe, by the way, that was totally our Wii U game of the year because uh, I guess not the spoiler number one, uh, but the top five are all 3DS games. Yep. Yeah. Uh. Oh yeah. And then you're left with me, who played Conquest, and Neil. By the way, if you ever play Conquest, uh, normal, uh, classic style. So your your guys die. Conquest was. I think probably the better one because most of fates was not that great. Uh, the content was very unbalanced compared to awakening, which had like a little of everything. 
Conquest and Birthright both had a lot of some of the features of Awakening, but none of the other features. Like, Awakening has the... Uh, has the open-world-ish aspect of Fire Emblem Awakening, but Conquest has none of that in exchange for a Fire Emblem game that's more classic, but at the same time, there are... Uh, Birthright has... The Conquest has more styles of matches, like more types of ways to play that game, like more var- variation that Birthright doesn't have. And it makes the games kind of feel half complete, especially because the stories literally are one-third complete in each of these games because it's like yeah. it's a slightly different story in each one. But the gameplay in Conquest... Fire Emblem has never been better to play and has never had a stiffer challenge for me, or at least a better challenge than Fire Emblem Conquest. So I recommend Conquest. I have revelations that I bought. I'm never going to play Birthright, but uh, I will say the gameplay in Fates is very good, although the rest of the game did not stick with me, especially the story, which is weird because they put so much effort into the story and it's not that great. I would say significantly weaker than Awakening. It seems way too convoluted. Yeah, now Donald... Tell me where you landed on this because I feel like you're going to land slightly more more positive than I did. Or I, you. I think I I on my own personal list, Fire Emblem Fates is a medalist. It's not as high up on the list as it is on, on the site list, but we had several people that wanted it number one. So I think this was about the best best Neil was going to get at this point. Uh, I, Birthright does have some issues of, of balance, but I think they expect you to grind grind above that, and it could use a little bit more variety in the in the in the options aside from route 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 all day long. Yeah, Con- yeah. Conquest is probably the the is more the classic game. I did find it annoying that I had to go to the DLC to, if I because I, I was playing it on normal and I was testing Phoenix mode with it, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> Yeah, because the normal is very easy, even for as far as a classic Fire Emblem game would go. And Revelations, it's a good coda. If if you develop any sort of sympathy for any of the characters in this game, Revelations is a good coda. It's just the way I was playing it, I hit a wall about two thirds of the way through the game, mm. and had to because I wanted everybody married, so I had to stop right at the point when I get ten characters and just grind everybody up. But in the end, I didn't. I didn't regret the hundred and seventy odd hours that I put into the three games combined. Yeah, and that includes having to restart Revelations at one point. Wow. But and and I'm not even the most the biggest Fire Emblem fan in my own apartment. My roommate, I think, will clear a thousand hours before before the switch comes Jeez, out. Jeez, that's that's too much Fire Emblem. <laughs> That's like more Whoa. than the if you play through the entire series naturally, all 13, 14 games, <laughs> like one playthrough, that's still less time than your roommate spent on one Fire on, Emblem. On Fates, yeah. So he's got he and he got the limited edition, so he's got the Fire Emblem Fates. It'll be a thousand hours by the end of March. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in other words, if you want to hear the positive talk on Fire Emblem Fates, you should read our write-up on NintendoWorldReport.com. Yep. Okay. Our number one game of the year, which in both reviews scored an 8.5 and an 8 respectively, is, of course, 
Pocket Monsters Sun and Pocket Monsters Moon for the two games. That's a rip. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, not as the the only people who actually believe the Pokemon Sun and Moon are two separate games are NPD. Yeah, (laughs) actually, that's interesting. Our first two slots on Game of the Year are five different games. Uh, yeah, Pokemon Sun and Moon. I was I was uh, I was looking at like the three elements I need to make a good video game, and I think the three elements you need are content, game quality, and freshness. I think those are the ingredients of an excellent video game. A lot of content, good quality like gameplay, and a lot of freshness. And for the most part. I think Pokemon Sun and Moon lands on all three of those. Since it's a Pokemon game, it has a lot of content, it has a big story, it has a big island, it has uh, Pokemon gameplay, which is among the best gameplay that Nintendo has in its arsenal. And more than that, I just want to say, Pokemon Sun and Moon is the freshest feeling Pokemon game in well over a decade, and that is something worth celebrating. Because when a Pokemon game feels fresh, the rest of the game is so damn good that it makes you remember that the game is so damn good and not just more of the same. We'll, we'll totally have some kind of bickering thing either here or on our Patreon-exclusive podcast that you can get by supporting us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash NWR. For just $1 a month, you can uh, listen to our exclusive monthly podcast and that uh, this month we'll have a couple people on uh, talking about our Game of the Year lists, uh, which uh, none of the people here, except for me, because uh, we'll be doing that show in January here. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I totally... Uh, oh, oh, on the Patreon-exclusive podcast, we'll probably be bickering over some kind of rankings for Pokemon Generations. Um, I've been thinking about that on the back of my mind while playing through Pokemon Moon and also in the couple weeks since I, after I finished it. Um, I'm leaning more and more that like Pokemon Moon is my favorite Pokemon game. I just think it does so many awesome new things, and it like I, I I like the new Pokemon a lot. I like the starters. I like the world. I like the the wonderful quality of life, it, like tweaks and additions. Like the fact that HMs are a thing of the past is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I just like I keep thinking about how I want to replay that game. And I'm I'm dangerously close to going out and buying a copy of Sun to complement my copy of Moon, but I, but I kind of I, I want to try to hold out for whatever that potential third game is, whether it's on the Switch or the 3DS or who knows. Um, like I think I'll probably wait for that, but like there is an urge of just wanting to replay uh, this game that I just finished, and I I just I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, yeah. if you if you listen or to or watch this show. We've talked about Pokemon Sun and Moon plenty. We have an episode from a couple weeks ago that, that like we literally talk about the games at length for 50-some-odd minutes, and we talked about it since then. The last thing I'll say about Pokemon Sun and Moon, because the episode's getting long, it's 12.41 my time, 1.41 in the morning, <laughs> uh, Donald's time. It, you look at Pokemon's 20th anniversary, and you think about all the ways they celebrated it. Okay, they release Red and Blue, they go back to the past, and that's how you celebrate it. Oh, you release all the movies and the soundtracks, that's how you celebrate it. Oh, you got this Wii U game, that's how you celebrate it. Oh, you finally got the Pokemon Mobile game, that's how you celebrate it. All this stuff that uh, sort of plays off what you know about about Pokemon. But I think 
secretly, the best way to celebrate Pokemon's uh, anniversary is to make a new Pokemon game that is a complete rethought on what it means to be a Pokemon game. Because what Pokemon Sun and Moon did that not any of the other dozen things the Pokemon company did for uh, Pokemon fans this year is that because it feels so fresh, it gives you the feelings you have when you played Pokemon for the first time. Yeah. And, and there is nothing more valuable than that to feel the, on Pokemon's 20th anniversary. And I, I mentioned this in the write-up that's on the site because I, I had the honor of writing that one. Uh, there were 13 different staff nominations that we got with top five lists. And I don't know if Pokemon Sun and Moon was number one on any of them. But it was you're on... also your your math's not right because there were a lot more. We also had patron. Yeah, I, I I was just I was just counting the staff ones because I could I had direct access to those when I wrote the yeah. article. And even those you didn't have all the staff ones. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but some, the, the, some people did the right thing and just sent them right to me as opposed to just buying all. Just the of the thirteen that I saw, eleven people nominated Pokemon Sun and Moon for Game of the Year. So. And I think the fact that Sun and Moon, it did some of those things that we've been saying should be in Pokemon games for years now, like getting rid of the HMs and something that. Ha Am I clear to say what the end? What happens in the end game? No. Um. No, because <laughs> only because it's still only a couple months yeah. off. We're we're, yeah. we're a month out from the game. However, here's 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 what I will say to sort of do justice to what you want to say is what they do with the final battle in the uh, the game is a callback to something that they almost did in the first game but they didn't do and the only people who know about it are the people who know about Pokemon glitches in the original game. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, it harkens back to a battle that uh and this this will be spoilers to this will be very mild spoilers to anyone but if you love pokemon you've already played sun and moon anyways <laughs> so it's and like there's a lot of people that love pokemon apparently yeah so it's well, a battle they, that doesn't mean they finished it yet it's a battle that they almost put in to the original game but they went another way instead. And the battle that they almost put in the original game, they actually finally put as the final boss in this game. It's and one of the best moments, if, if we have top five moments in the Pokemon series, you have the fight of Red versus... Uh, the fight gold against and Red and Gold and Silver. But I think top five easily is the final boss fight in this and, game. And I wasn't even thinking of that, because I was thinking about what happens after that. If you, really? were, if you go back. It's something that is from one of Neil's favorite games that oh. I think that has been a, a, an answer to a question that I have had for a very long time with Pokemon games. Well, that, that is something... Let's talk I'm, about this after the show, because I'm curious what you're, what you're getting at here. But yeah. anyways, Pokemon Sun and Moon, congratulations... You you're are our game of the year. World Report's game of the year, and it's the first year in a very long time when we actually have a ranked list with an yeah. actual game of the year. Yeah, dude. Last time we had a game of the year was 2010. Yeah, and even then uh, it, was it was platform specific. Yeah, it was it was Dragon Quest Nine and uh, Galaxy Two. Galaxy Two, yeah. 
Um, okay. Just, just real quick as we finish this out, here are the other nine games that were up for nomination. Uh, Paper Mario Color Splash, Pokemon Go, Star Fox Zero, Pocket Tournament, Tokyo Mirage Destiny Sharp FE, Mario Luigi Paper Jam, Dragon Quest Seven, Mario Maker th- for 3DS, Kirby Robo Bo 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 Bo, and Super Mario Run. Excellent. Congratulations to all those games for almost becoming our game of yeah. the year. And okay. all those games are good. All, all, most of them, you know. <laughs> okay, just quick recap. Top three news stories of the year. Super Mario Run reveal number three. Pokemon Go Fever number two. Switch reveal number one. Top three retro releases of the year. Re-releases of the year. Twilight Princess HD Wii U number three. Uh, number two is The Legend of Zelda. Oh, number two, NES Classic. Number one, Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on the 3DS Virtual Console. Top three anticipated 2017 games. Number three, the Poochie Amiibo. Number two, Legend of Zelda The Breath of the Wild. Number one, Super Mario Brothers for Switch. And our top five games of the year, Pocket Card Jockey at number five. Metroid Prime Federation Force at number four. Picross 3D Round 2 at number three. Fire Emblem Fates at number two. And Pokemon Sun and Moon at number one. That is Nintendo World Sports Game of the Year list. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash N. WR to get even more podcasts, lots of exclusive content, and plenty of more bonuses. Patreon gets better by the day. Uh, go support the site. You love us. I know I love us. I hope you love us. I love you whether you support the site or not, but also please consider supporting Patreon. Patreon. Well, our Patreon, not Patreon, the website. Us, mm, Patreon. It's an all right website. Flash. And oh, they've been good to us. R. I wonder if Patreon has their own Patreon. They probably do. That'd be weird. This <laughs> is kind of inception bullshit. But anyway, thanks. Anyways, thanks, everybody. Thank Have you. a good year. Uh, yeah, Enron 10, Donald Mick, Lafia. Happy New Merry New Year. Bye. Bye. Bye.